Welcome to ReCommerce, a podcast for e-commerce wearable brands navigating technical complexity and change. Brought to you by Command-C. Hello, I'm Sarah Beacon, the founder of Command-C, and I'm here with Tiffany Kukta, our tech lead. Hi, everyone. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about how to select the right platform for your e-commerce site. So, Tiff, a client comes to us saying that they need a new site. Where do they begin in terms of selecting a platform that's going to meet all their needs and be nimble enough to scale? Oh, geez. That is the million-dollar question. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, I think there's really two sort of... uh, two types of this particular request. Um, The first is someone who's coming to us because, you know, they're building a site for the first time. They've never really done e-commerce before. Maybe they have some retail experience or maybe their product has been in retail for a while and they're looking to expand in e-commerce. But this is is sort of their first trip to the rodeo Um, and they don't really know what to expect and uh, their understanding of what they need is somewhat limited to what they've experienced from other similar e-commerce platforms. They may or may not have some existing operations tools that need to be integrated with, but because this is the first time, everything is kind of fresh and new and more flexible. The second type of this request comes in uh, when we're talking about uh, a client who has all of their e-commerce ducks already in a row, or they've been in the e-commerce space for a while. They have a sense of what works and what doesn't work. And for whatever reason, they've decided that what they currently have isn't working. And so they're ready to replatform or they're ready to upgrade the platform that they're currently on or you know, make some other kind of shift. But they have existing structures and those existing structures are in a lot of cases, immutable. We can't change them. We can't, you know, tell them they have to use a different 3PL. We can't modify the ERP. So at that point in time, we really need to enter into a lot of discovery in order to determine which of these two types of projects we're working with. And then, you know, within that, what things does the e-commerce store need to connect to in order to maintain and to sort of provide only good disruption to the business? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's also sort of this in-between client who has a successful e-commerce store already, but is is either looking to rebrand themselves or to try, you know, out a new market or to try something a little bit different, um, which is also... I think an important thing to understand, because that client might also still have some of these immutable things like an ERP or, you know, other underlying business, foundational business and operations piece that can't change. But I I think it's also important to not acknowledge that there's, there's also an in-between client. And I think what we would recommend for them is, is also very specific to, the fact that they're trying something new, right? So it's it's yeah. kind of the, what it comes down to is, are you trying something new or are you recreating the same thing on a more optimized platform or with 
automation in place uh, or something along those lines. So I think those are kind of the key, the key differentiators. Are you doing something new? Or are you doing the same thing, but looking for an optimized solution to do that same thing? Definitely. And the the people in that in-between group, they they tend to, to sort of contain characteristics from, from both, both places. So for example, one of the things that we would definitely recommend for somebody who's who's just entering into e-commerce is to consider an MVP approach that allows them mm-hmm. to get to market and start collecting data about how people actually interact in the e-com space with their product. Um, and that's a similar thing that I think we would recommend for someone in that in-between group that's trying something new. I mean, personally, those are some of my very favorite projects because they have the sort of uh, predictability of an established business model along Mm -hmm. with the flexibility and the excitement of like a Kickstarter campaign. These ones are really, really fun to work on. um, And they do have a a very different sort of, uh, of approach that lets us, you know, possibly take an MVP, whereas an established e-commerce brand, there really isn't a world in which you can, you can go to market with something that isn't at least as polished and final as what they had previously. Yeah. So, so the difference that we're we're talking about between these two approaches are, you know, starting with something that's more lean and scaled back, uh, what we would call an MVP, versus going to market with something that is really p- pretty fleshed out and and feature rich, because you've already proven that those features work and are, are core to your your business model, right? So. If we're talking about this kind of MVP approach, how do we help clients define what that MVP is and, and what's the benefit of going to market with an MVP versus um, something that's kind of fully fleshed out with all the, all the bells and whistles? I mean, I can see the logic in, you know, I'm, I want to make a splash here. I, I want to come to market with like the thing that's going to get everyone's attention and make them buy from from us. So what's the difference between those two things? I think that that can be driven a lot by by budget and risk tolerance, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. Um because you know, in a perfect world, yes, we all go to market with the product that does all of the things that we need it to do, but the reality is that that is that is just often not an option for either sort of a second brand that's just releasing or for a, a brand that uh, that is brand new. Um, additionally, going to market with a list of features that you have made assumptions about is and can be really dangerous. It's not only dangerous for your pocketbook because obviously it costs money to build those features and then they all exist and you don't know how people are going to interact with them, but you also risk not allowing the product to be the 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 thing that sells the product. Um, and I think mm-hmm. sort of that goes into a, a level of, of business understanding that is kind of not what I as a tech lead typically get involved in, but I think it's really important to consider because, you know, you can build anything you can think of. I mean, I think the speed of technology has proven that to us. You can build absolutely anything, but making assumptions about what that should be shouldn't be the way that you decide to, to build it. So, you know, we've identified that there's kind of these these two types of, of clients depending on where their business is. Let's talk a little bit about 
the two platforms that we work with the most, we work with a number of different platforms, um, but, but the two that we work with the most tend to be Shopify Plus and Magento, which have some pretty core differences. So let's talk about how the differences in those platforms might correspond to the two different types of businesses that we're talking about here. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that the first most important thing to understand is that we're talking about the difference between a hosted platform. So software as a service, you're paying a subscription fee for it. um, But all of the core code that runs that shopping platform is outside your control and hosted and maintained by the provider. Shopify is that. And then the alternative to that is, is, uh, for example, Magento. And Magento can be self-hosted. There are also some advanced hosting options with it. And, you know, we could spend seven podcasts just talking about Magento. So I'll curve myself back a little bit there. But it's a platform for which you are responsible for the infrastructure. You are responsible for the maintenance. You are responsible for the system security. And, you know, yes, it comes with a great amount of flexibility. There are no limitations. We're not limited to what we can do with the core code. It's open source. so. We can do anything with it. Even the enterprise version, once we have it, can be modified to do anything and can be extended to do anything. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for all of that. And Magento is um, Magento's not a lightweight. It, it's, it's a big, somewhat labyrinthian application that requires a development team. Um, it's not something that I would ever recommend you take on if you don't have technical folks on staff who can be responsible for it in the long term and on staff or, you know, contracted. But you need you need people with expertise in that platform to do it. And so I think the the line becomes really clear. If you're just getting into e-commerce and you're not really sure and you don't have a high need for customization, the investment in Magento may not make sense for you out of the gate some exceptions to that rule. Go ahead. What if you have a fairly decent need for customization? I mean, does that just mean like Shopify is not going to work for you? I mean, what's the what's the limit there in terms of how far can I push this thing? That's a really good question. I think it's tempting to think of the the sort of security and the self-containment of a hosted platform as a huge limiting factor. Unfortunately, or fortunately, rather, it's uh, it's not the case. Uh, Shopify, ha- for example, has a super robust API. We can do a lot to extend it. We can uh, build applications that communicate with it and that sort of work outside of it. The line comes, in my opinion, um, based on kind of, again, your budget. So at a certain point, when we have done so much work to extend something, it, it may not have made budgetary sense to choose it for its less expensive startup cost. Um, and, and so that's kind of where I think that that line comes into play. And that's why technical discovery is so important to identify where what are those things that would require hours and hours of development work to tack on to something like Shopify that, you know, maybe you would already either have out of the box with Magento or be able to readily add. Um, it's also tempting to assume that a hosted platform like Shopify is going to require you to rely on a lot more third-party providers, that you're going to need a lot more apps. As it turns out, you know, Magento, despite the fact that it's self-hosted, we're not editing the core. We're, we're not changing core Magento functionality. We're using the tools that they've given us within the coding standards to extend that functionality anyway. And because that's the case, that means that 
we don't want to reinvent the wheel any more than you do. If there's a good solid extension that accomplishes what you need, that extension's going to get installed. And now you're in a slightly different situation and it's backwards from what you might think. Shopify, for example, polices and monitors its app ecosystem. Those apps don't get there unless someone from the Shopify team has said it's okay for them to get there. Additionally, you have uh, sort of guaranteed support from them. And this is something that the Magento marketplace has come a long way in, but you can still readily get extensions that do not guarantee you support and that you don't really know anything about how they were built. And so at that point, you're, you know, potentially leaning on a developer to analyze the code within that extension. And you're, you're sort of six of one half dozen of the other at that point. So I think that it is a, a bad idea to make your sole dec- deciding factor how many extra apps you're going to need to make the platform work. Because it's really, mm-hmm. in practice, it's not that much different between the two, between the two solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess that's bringing up for me um, something that I, I see a lot, which is I think that there's a... a I don't want to say a myth out there, but I see a pattern with more enterprise level clients thinking that they can't use Shopify because it's too low grade a solution for them. I mean, even beyond the the myth that it's not flexible enough to them, I think that there's just kind of like this notion that as an enterprise level client, I need to be on Magento and, and, and likewise for the opposite as, you know, maybe a startup. I need to be on Shopify. And I I think that that's flawed thinking, but a pattern that I see over and over again, how, how do you help clients get past that notion? And, And what's a scenario where an enterprise level client, you know, they're the best platform for them really is Shopify plus and not Magento. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a, an, an easy scenario for that is when their e-commerce specific needs are not that unique. We're not needing mm-hmm. to build on a ton of extra applications. And at that point, what you're really looking at is just sort of um, brand recognition, Really, it's that, mm-hmm. like you said, it's that idea that Magento is for enterprise and Shopify is for 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 little startups that are selling one product. And and the fact of the matter is that Shopify's ecosystem is incredibly robust and very reliable. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. don't have to manage it. You don't need a 10-person IT staff to manage your AWS cluster so that Magento doesn't fall down when you get 500 orders in a second. You don't need that. I think what you're saying and sort of my perspective on this is that the focus should be on the needs, not the level of enterprise you are. And I see that getting confused a lot. I think so too. And it's it's sort of my my favorite thing to, to complain is maybe too strong of a word, but we'll use it anyway. My favorite thing to complain about is 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 self-prescription. Um, because without sort of the the technical underpinnings to understand why one solution is better for you than another, choosing a solution without that information, you know, might land you in in the wrong bucket. And that that doesn't always mean it's a catastrophic mistake. I mean, so you landed on Magento and you didn't really need it. What that means is you maybe spent a little bit more money to get it there and now you have some some longer term maintenance that you have to deal with. There were trade-offs, so it's okay. But at the end of the day, you weren't operating with all of the 
all of the knowledge you would have needed to make the absolute best decision for you in either the short or the long term in that case. You're listening to ReCommerce, a podcast for e-commerce wearable brands navigating technical complexity and change. Brought to you by Command-C, a development team that saves e-commerce retailers from outdated tech and ineffective operations, with a strong focus on Magento and Shopify+. Plus. You can learn more about how we help at commandc.com. All right, so pivoting a little bit, say that we have kind of gone through a technical discovery with a client and everything about this client says hosted platform, right? Like they don't need super intense amount of customization that really makes Magento feel like the right choice for them. But within the hosted platform world, there are some fairly comparable platforms. The two that we encounter most frequently and work with most frequently are Shopify Plus and Big Commerce. So I think kind of maybe the, the more nuanced question is how how do you help a client decide whether Shopify Plus or Big Commerce is a, a better solution for them when when those solutions are pretty comparable in nature? Yeah, and they really are. Um, before I jump into answering that, one thing that I just kind of want to bring up is that we keep talking about customizations. And I want to clarify that I'm not talking about what it looks yeah. and feels like on the front end. All of those platforms can really truly be made to look and for the most part function in any way that you can imagine. So, um, you know, we're not talking about the difference between picking a cookie cutter theme that 500 other people have versus, you know, something that you that your design team brought to us and we built for you. These this is not what we're talking about when we say customizations. When we say customizations, we're saying, you know, let's say you need to build a, a full scale model that implements a, a configurator into your site. That kind of level of functionality may help to drive the platform decision based on what your specific yeah, good, needs are. Good clarification there. Um, yeah, and so to to go back to your original question though, which is how do we pick between these two or more hosted platforms that are relatively similar? And and there are some key differences. And I think that those are where we always start. So the key difference that I see between Shopify and Big Commerce has to do with faceted search. And what we mean by faceted search are the filters. The filters on the side of your categories page that help users to narrow down and drill down into the product set that they want specifically. Um, so think about Amazon. Every time you've ever shopped on Amazon, you get this really robust set of filters that is generated based on the page that you're currently on. I firmly believe it uses a whole bunch of other stuff to add things to that column. But if we just talk about that filter list. Um, in Magento, it's called layered navigation, and it just kind of comes out of the box. Uh, in big commerce, it's faceted search, and it it's there for you. You can assign product attributes to be filterable in this manner. And you can also specify the logic by which those get filtered. With Shopify, those filters are tag-driven out of the box. Um, not only are they tag-driven, but they also have a – because they are tag-driven, they have a very specific way that they function out of the box. And so what that means is that if I want to see – products that are green and red, I can absolutely pick both green and red, but it is going to show me only products that contain both those colors. So 
only a green and red plaid shirt. Whereas, you know, a faceted search that uses a different query for searching might serve you a green shirt, a red shirt, and a green and red shirt. Um, and so this is this is sort of tag based out of the box, but Shopify can absolutely be extended to to handle all of those filtering scenarios. It's just something to remember that if faceted search is really important to you, but not so important that you want to spend a lot of time and effort getting it set up and rolling, then that would be one thing that I would consider. Shopify also uses collections for managing products as opposed to um, a true category hierarchy. And what this means essentially um, is that all of your all of your product categories are at the same level. They there aren't really children of one another. In practice, this almost never matters. Although in theory, you can see that the difference is that you basically don't have a tree structure for your products anymore. You have kind of a a set of groupings. Collections can also be really flexible and add a lot of flexibility because it forces you to think about your products in a slightly different way. And so, you know, there are pros and cons to both of those. Those are the two biggest things that I see as far as reliability goes. You know, both platforms are extremely reliable. Pricing depends on your unique needs. We won't get into that here, but you know, they're they're both they're both worth considering. And ultimately, just like the decision between a hosted platform and a not hosted platform, what you're looking at is an ability to understand the technical needs of your project to determine where it will best fit. Great. Well, thanks for another great chat. I'll talk to you next time. Sounds great. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again for another episode of ReCommerce. commerce